All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Field of Dreamers Fantasy Points Baseball Podcast. I'm Dakota McKinnon here, my buddy Jason Freibo. Jason, say hello. Hey, how's it going out there? We're just going to be discussing some of the more recent news here. Uh, our, our plan today is to talk about our starting pitchers for 2021. And we have some breaking news, Jason, don't we? Um, on Mr. Blake Snell. Jason? Yeah, he was uh, traded to the Padres last night in a deal that sent Luis Patino, Francisco Mejia, Blake Hunt, and Cole Wilcox back to the Rays. I, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this trade on both ends, to be honest. I like Snell going back to be the guy, or one of the guys, in uh, San Diego, um, going to a National League park, uh, no DH, which is a plus, and, well, that bad taste is going to be out of his mouth. Well, you're the right guy to talk about, Mr. Snell. I know you've been a big fan of his. He's been on a, on a few of your uh, more recent teams in our Field of Dreamers league, and um, I'm very intrigued to see what the West Coast is going to do for, for Blake. You know, he's a local boy here, Pacific yeah. Northwest. Um uh, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm very interested. But I'll be honest with you. I uh, I think he's a guy that is likely not going to make it on one of my teams. Um, I'm I'm going to need to see it in San Diego and in the National League more in particular from Mr. Snell. Yeah, it's tough to say because, like I said, I like him going from the AL to the NL because you're facing that one less hitter, especially with the news that there should be no DH in the NL. But his thing last year was he was not going deep into games. 50 innings pitched, 11 games, that's under five a start. So there's a red flag there. Um, And then, so you go to the NL, there's no DH, so you're hitting. So it comes up in the fifth and you're in a pinch, well, you could get swapped out early. So me, previously, when he was on the Rays, I thought going into 21, he could, you know, bump the innings up Mm -hmm. because no more injury concerns, you know, full longer season let's say um but now he's going to an nl team so that's kind of up in the air uh all that being said though i'm still in on snell because he's elite in my opinion and i don't know he just kind of has he's kind of polarizing so you never know it's all going to be based on your league's temperature of a guy um and snell he i don't know maybe everyone in our league is is out yeah because of certain things and that's when you can capitalize but that's Obviously, it's nothing you can quantify going into a season. I'll say this. ESPN currently has him ranked number 17 um, on the starting pitcher front. I definitely think he's upgraded, um, especially getting away from Kevin Cash and yeah. and the innings and um, and all the limitations that that over analytical baseball over analytical baseball team that is the Tampa Bay Rays to success now yes. they, they they are riding this to success however um i think from a fantasy fantasy perspective this is potentially a, a big win for Blake Snell Blake Snell guys um number 17 on ESPN i definitely think that we'll see that start trending up and as we see mocks start for 2021 i bet you that Mr. Snell is going to be uh shooting up draft boards uh that being said let's talk a little bit about about rankings let's just touch on top tier tier one starting pitchers 2021 i think it's pretty clear a group of three shane bieber garrett cole jacob Degrom, jason 
how do you rank those guys and why? Um, well, I have in this order, which at I, honestly, it's if there were three sides to a coin, you could flip it, and I wouldn't be opposed to number one. You you'd be happy with any of these yeah, guys, right? Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed. I have Bieber, Degrom, and Cole. Um, I wasn't a Bieber guy going into nineteen. Definitely not going into 20. I still wasn't sold. But going forward, uh, he has he has won me over. Um, I know the other two have done it more. But there's, I don't know, I just watched him pitch and it was incredible. He's just missing bats. That breaking ball is nasty. Uh, and Swing and miss stuff, right? Cleveland Indians, that's it. Yeah. He's, he's pitching, at a pitching factory. factory. I uh I I will say my rankings are going to be Garrett Cole, Shane Bieber, Jacob Degrom. I I and and to your point, you could flip a, a three sided coin and it could land, and I would be happy with any three of these guys. Um, for twenty twenty one, I think they're all uh, as close to can't miss picks as you could prob- probably have. Um, but I like you have never been a Shane Bieber fan. This last year, definitely, um, I'm I'm a Bieber, I'm a Bieber believer now. And it's hard because you 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 know you get points for wins, and you look at which of these guys has the best path to wins. That's Garrett Cole, and it's Garrett Cole, and I have him ranked three. Yeah, but wins are so you know. There's I so just, many other things dependent on that. It's hard to say this guy's going to win 17 games and you can bank on those points. Without going to any statistics, I think we're all forgetting a little bit of how dominant Garrett Cole was in 2019 um, and how great he was in in the couple years prior to that with Houston. Um, and I don't think that he just got worse in New York. I, I actually think that no, not at all. the signs are showing that he is every bit as good. And I think um, there's been a little bit of bad luck mixed in, but also I just think that the Yankees' injuries, the the trajectory of the team likely affected him, and the shortened season, who knows with COVID, but the Yankees are going to be good, man. And the Yankees got a lot of bats, and a lot, they're going to score a lot of runs. Um, so yeah, give me Garrett Cole. And, uh, so you're saying if you I'll had it out. to pick, you would take I take If I have the number one pick, of the 2021 draft, you can book it that I probably am not taking a pitcher, but if I was, it would be Garrett Cole. <laughs> How about that? All right, all book right. Book that, book that. All right, moving on. Um, let's talk about some of the guys that definitely fantasy relevant, but kind of middle of the pack, you know, and I'm thinking uh, outside your your traditional top 10 starting pitchers, but just a guy that um, you expect to have a breakout 2021 or you're seeing signs that show you um, that this guy's just – he's on the precipice of something big. Jason, what, who, who are you thinking for 2021 breakout? Well, he, in my opinion, just needs to stay on the mound, uh, get to that 30-plus starts, and that's Tyler Glass now. Uh, he's now elevated to – in my opinion, the number one. No more Charlie Morton. No more Blake Snell. I mean, you bring in Michael Waka, and you never know. But nineteen currently on with. ESPN rankings for the record, nineteen. So two spots below his former teammate. Sounds like yeah. And Blake I Snell. in on the rankings I made, I got I got him coming in at tenth. I mean, a lot of this is a lot of this is kind of like if, but I'm a believer in Glass now just because he's. Uh, 
he's going to miss some bats. And I just feel that the Rays, even though we were bashing their analytics earlier, or their over-analytics, they, uh, they can find talent, and they found Tyler Glass now, and he's he's striking people out. And if he can, so what he do last year? He averaged over five innings a start. Um, so that he goes deep enough, he just needs to get on the mound for a full season. And in the shortened season last year, he got eleven starts. Yes. So he's well on his way. If he if you project that over a full season, you're looking at over two hundred strikeouts, close to one hundred and eighty innings, one point one three WHIP. I mean. 97th percentile and K rate expected ERA 83rd percentile. So, I mean, his, what is it? 4.08 ERA, you know, a little bit of bad luck there. I mean, you factor in all this over a full season and it levels out and you're looking at, you know, top 10 starting pitcher. And that's, and that's going to play in a points league. Cause you don't think he's going to be overvalued after this uh, postseason. I mean, you watch, you watch this guy in the postseason. Throwing 103 miles an hour regularly. I mean, it's possible. It's possible, but what's everyone's lasting image in their mind with the Tampa Bay Rays? Blake Snell walking off the mound. Yeah. I mean... Agreed. Honestly, I didn't even remember he was throwing 103 miles an hour in the World Series because I just see Blake Snell getting pissed off walking off the mound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you there. I mean, no no doubt. Uh, big talent, Tower Glass now, you know, and... And I struggle with this. This this sometimes bites me, and you know this. Um, but man, I, it's so hard for me to unsee what I saw of him in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And when you could be so bad, you could be that bad, and then be so good, it just freaks me out. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, I have a hard time. He's a, he's a guy that I, I again I I think um, probably has a hard time finding his way onto my team um, because someone's going to draft him likely appropriately, but too high for my, well, and like one of the comments earlier about, you know, knowing your league, um, we, our league has been together for a few years now. And so, you know, you kind of know who is whose guy. Yeah. Agreed. And I already have a feeling in my mind who is going to select this individual. Yes. So I don't see him being on my team. I would love to see him. Doesn't change the fact how much yes, you, you like exactly. him. Exactly. Understand. I'm going to talk about a guy that, uh, that I am extremely fond of. Uh, technically a rookie. Um, 2020. Zach Galen. Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, Mr. Galen. Historic s- streak of starts. Three, in, three earned runs or less. This man, 23 consecutive starts to start his career, not allowing three earned runs or more. Anybody talk about Zach Gallon? Mm. You hear, hear much about Zach Gallon? No. I was 23 in, straight I was starts. Super in on him in 2019 when he first got the call. And what did he do? Yeah, he was pretty damn he good. He pitched his ass off. This I, man is as steady Eddie. As they come, and there's reasons for optimism on the swing and miss front as well. Um, if you look at his 2020 campaign, he went out, and this man pitched, and he pitched well for a lame duck Diamondbacks team. Diamondbacks were pretty much out of it from the very beginning. He was the one consistent, 
And as the year went on, um, he struck more and more guys out. And it culminated with his final outing of the year, striking out 10, uh, season high. Um, This guy's good, man. I see potentially multiple Cy Youngs in this guy's future. Um, I am as high on Zach Galen as you can be from not just a fantasy perspective, but as a, as a pitcher. Jason, what do you think about Zach Galen? Oh man. Um, well, he's by the way, pretty good. His Jersey number. I love this. He's number 23 on the Diamondbacks. I, I don't think he was on, on, um, Miami. But he, he ended his streak, 23 straight starts, three earned runs or less, with his jersey number. I just think that's cool. Goat status, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Let it out. I, I see you're a big Michael Jordan fan. <laughs> He's the goat. Um, so back back to the topic at hand, Zach Galen. Um, I mean, he's limiting, last year at least, he's limiting his hard contact. 73rd percentile in exit velocity, 78th percentile in hard hit percentage. I mean, let's see what 2019 offered. Very similar results. So you can't really, you know, bake it into like a, which is short season, right? Right. He did it before and a little bit longer of a stint. Since that he's he's been called up, the guy has been amazing. Yeah, I mean. Both, Nothing short. Both seasons, his... Uh, baseball savant profile is just, you know, glistening red. I mean, last year, 2.75 ERA, 72 innings over 12 starts. So he's going out there. He's giving you a quality start, a chance to win. I mean, you throw you throw some offense around him, you're getting Ws. You're getting, you're getting it all. You're getting the total package. So even if you're in a, a roto format, he's... He's filling categories for you. He's providing points in a points league. I mean, you're honestly making me feel like I got Zach Galen ranked too low. So, I don't know if we should be talking about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I might have to steal him from you. Exactly. Um, we're talking about these guys that we really like coming into 2021. Let's talk about some of these guys that popped up in 2020. Um and and can they replicate that same success after the shortened season? Um, and a guy that, that just pops right into my mind is Dylan Bundy, a, a guy that had been on a lot of fantasy radars for years and years and had always habitually disappointed. Uh, a lot of pop prospect pedigree. Last year, he finally, finally lived up to it. Um, pitched very well. Another guy in that same, same vein, Former Cy Young Award winner, Dallas Keuchel. A lot of people thought Dallas Keuchel was washed up. All of a sudden, comes back. Really spectacular 2020. Fantasy relevant 2020 for a soft contact guy. Jason, what do you think about Dylan Bundy, Dallas Keuchel, and that that group of bounce back 2020 pitchers can they sustain I've never been a Keuchel guy, especially in points, um, just because he's not, he doesn't strike people out, I don't know, I'm just not a fan of his. Ceiling's uh, not high enough? Yeah, and I like to get as high a ceiling guys as possible, especially in most daily uh, formats, you have up to 12 starting pitchers a week, I'd rather... 
fill my slate with upside than a guy who, you know, has he's got a good floor, but well, coincidentally, so let's 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 I use that comp. The, the the ceiling. We have ESPN ha- has Dallas Keuchel ranked 39th. And the guy directly in front of him is is a great example of upside versus a a four that potentially is uh, pretty damn low and that's German Marquez. Are you asking who I'm taking? Yeah, I mean, so that's Marquez. just a great that's a great example. So I'm you're taking, ta- you're always taking the upside. I have Marquez at 34. I have Keiko at 40. Okay, because um, Marquez is a guy that could get you 60, but he could sure. also get you negative 23. Sure, but I'm also I don't know if I'm buying into Marquez for a full season, and more than likely you're going to have to do that to have his services because I'm not taking him at Coors Field. I understand. You know what I mean? Yes. He's not one of the reverse splits guys at Coors Field who somehow pitches there. He gets shelled. Yes, every time almost. Um. So that being said, I'm probably not taking either. Okay. Even though Marquez potentially could be had at a value because he's kind of got that post-hype sleeper thing going on. He was great last year, but how many people are going to I feel like really buy into a shortened season? Jermon Marquez is every year is it's the same story cuz he does he does things during the season, shortened season no different that make you go, "Oh my god, this guy's an ace." And then he will go back to course and just get shellacked and almost not be rosterable. Um or at least certainly not startable in the starts at Coors Field, which makes it hard to roster a guy. Um, for me, like if I'm getting Marquez, I'm hopefully getting him. Uh, he's hopefully dealing in his first one, two, three starts, and I'm trading Oh, Trader Jay. And I'm trading him. Trader Jay. Trading I, him while he's high. I, I figured you were going to go well, with that Someone argument. who's looking at their roster and they, you know, oh, shucks, my ace came out and he gave up four over five in his first two starts. I might need to fill a spot. Well, okay. You're giving away your strategy now, Jay. That's fine, though. I mean, you you always sell high in fantasy, in my opinion. What about you're just trying to clear some space? This is true. What about your friend Dylan Bundy? He keeping this up? Mm, I don't know. I'm like high on him, and then I look at some stuff, and I'm like, ugh. Like his last, his the final month of the season last year was horrendous. Um, I believe the first two months of this, the first two months of the shortened season, he, you know, he came in with some pretty good numbers. Um, let's see here. In, come on. Well, Technology. There folks. we go. In July, he had a two eight four ERA. Granted, it was two starts, but twelve and two thirds innings pitched with fifteen strikeouts. August, he had. Five starts with a two three two ERA, thirty one innings, thirty two strikeouts. So he's getting that, you know, that nine K per nine, one an inning. He's limiting base runners. He's you know looks like he's going deep into games. That's what six innings a start. And then September comes and you get a four nine one ERA over twenty two innings. I mean, his first two starts of the month weren't terrible. He went seven innings, gave up two runs in each. But those final two of the season, he got rocked. And it's kind of like you and you were talking about Tyler Glass now. You can't help but see this guy in Baltimore, can you? So he throws 100-plus in the playoffs. You're 
bumping his stock up like Randy or, or Rosarina. Yep. And then you got this guy. So, I mean, I could be in on him because he could be had at a value. And, I mean, what? You get him mid-rounds, worst case, you just cut bait. Or, you know, like I said before, you offer him up in a trade to help your team potentially help another team. I don't know. Bundy currently ranked 33 ESPN starting pitcher rankings. And I got him at 25 on mine. So there you go. That shows you. I mean, you I like got him. him ahead of Patrick Corbin, who I'm not particularly high on. Not a Corbin guy. No. Not I feel not like... a Corbin guy, even uh, with Josh Bell heading over to uh, the Nats, give a little run support to Mr. Corbin. I mean, it. I mean, Josh Bell, isn't he a pretty decent defender? No. I don't think so. No? I think he's just a big brick yeah, at first base. so I don't think that's really going to help him out there on the mound. I mean, it could get him a few extra wins, but over the past few years, I feel Corbin's, he's just not been as effective. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The swing and miss appears to be gone out of his game to a, to a degree. Um, he's certainly not throwing as hard as he was in Arizona or when he first right. came over. Um, yeah, I'd say the eye test says his stuff has is, is, uh, started to wane a bit. I mean, his four seam went down close to two miles an hour, like 1.7. Um, I know his slider, the slider is his pitch. Um, but he was, when he threw the fastball last year, you were basically getting on base. Crushed. It was 4.15. Crushed. 4.15 on the fastball. And almost every pitch he yeah. threw last year, except for his slider, got crushed. Yeah. 378 against the sinker. And he threw his slider a lot, though, against the fastball. 240 against the changeup. That's, you know, that's basically average these days. <laughs> uh, 429 against the curve. I mean, everything got hammered. Uh, he even threw his slider more last year, I assume, because of all of this. So yeah. he's one pitch dependent at this point to get people out. And... The price you're paying for a name in Patrick Corbin, a one-pitch pitcher is it's too high of a price. I agree. Guy in the mid-rounds you think could be a first-round type starting pitcher. So a guy outside What's of the... round Let's say a guy outside of the top 20 starting pitchers, ESPN rankings, that you think... Out of ESPN's rankings? Correct. That you think will finish inside the top 10. I've got one that sticks out like a sore thumb, and that's Jesus Lazardo. Um, Jesus Lazardo currently ranked 35 ESPN um, rankings. And again, I'm, I'm a, I dive less into the analytics, and I just go with I, – I try to watch a lot of baseball. I watch a lot yeah, of games. That's, your, that's the way you do it. I do. I, that's how I play fantasy sports. It's part of why I love it is it keeps me in tune with baseball. I love – I just love the game. Hazel Cesardo's at, – at dude is nasty. Um, and he looked nasty in the postseason. He was clearly – the number one guy for a, a pretty impressive Oakland staff, and I and I think he's one of these, um, one of these young pitchers that's going to really stick. Uh, similar to Galen, except I would argue that Lazardo has um, as much upside as any young pitcher in terms of swing and miss, which uh, will play 
in mm-hmm. fantasy. Yes, it will. It will play in fantasy. Jesus Lazardo is my my uh, big project- projection to make it inside of the top ten by the end of the year. Jason, who are you? Uh... I mean, I'll just go on what you just said about Lazardo. Sure. Um, where where did they have him on ESPN? Thirty five. Thirty five. Let's take a peek. I have him at thirty two, so a little bit higher. Um, so like nothing really stands out like that tells me his numbers are gonna improve. Um, I mean, Babib three oh six, strand rate seventy eight, so those are all, you know, right around average. Mm-hmm. Um and then but, you know, he's he's just got that pedigree. So you believe in a guy. And I don't know, for some reason they make pitchers like Mike Fires somewhat you know, yes. relevant in a decent matchup. You get fires against, you know, a poor ball club, I'm I'll run him out there. Because you're you like what you're saying it's the the ceiling and in a bad matchup he's likely not going to get rocked, so I just think that they're kind of like a a discount pitching factory like a bargain Cleveland Indians you know what I'm saying Oakland for sure yeah mm-hmm. you know just yeah, the, you, the money ball aspect you typically they, are not going to run a guy out with with an Oakland A's start and get shellacked right I mean you know, they're Sean typically Manaya, competitive fires I mean. But back to Lazardo here, 71 percentile and whiff percentage, 82nd percentile and fastball velocity. He spins the ball. He does. 79th percentile and fastball spin rate. So it's going to have that, you know, rising. Ironically, he pitches a lot like a young Patrick Corbin. <laughs> he he uses his slider an, an awful lot, and it's his best pitch. I mean, but unlike so, Corbin, his fastball still plays. It's still upper yeah. echelon. I mean, he started nine games, uh, 12 games total. He went 59 innings, so not terrible, but, you know, a 4-1-2 ERA, he's striking out a guy in innings, so there's, you know, you take that year-to-year jump, and you could easily see him lower his ERA to a, you know, mid-threes, 3-7-5, up the Ks a little bit, and you get a full season's worth, and yeah, I definitely could see him getting into that mid-to-upper tier. Um, let's see here. On a competitive ball club. Oh yeah, absolutely. Always like we said, wins play. Yep. Um, who's a guy that I like in that same range? There's an awful lot of guys. I, I'm just going to say it this year, and we've talked about this a little bit. We are typically, our league, um, being a points league, it's it's very pitching heavy. Pitching is, is always going off the board early and often. Because there's less of the elite. Always hard to find the top tier pitching. I will make the argument that this year, of all the years, is the hardest to predict what's going to happen with, with pitching. And it's also the year that there's likely going to be the most depth. Um, it seems that way. We, because there were so many young guys that ended up making their way to the big leagues last year. We saw so many guys that were tantalizing from a fantasy perspective. But I don't know if a lot of those guys are even going to be playing right. Major League Baseball next year with a minor league season likely um, scheduled to be held that wasn't there for them. I just uh, – it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard to know who's going to be there. I, I use um, – Speaking of the pitching pitching factory in Cleveland, Tristan McKenzie is a great example. A guy that was never supposed to be playing uh, Major League Baseball last year, but was kind of forced into it due to all the COVID issues that Cleveland was having with Plesac and Clevenger. And the guy just dealt. But does that mean he's going to stick now? 
or are they going to control? Right. Teams are still, I believe, going to control the players' um, ability to avoid arbitration and all that. That's not going to go away just because of one weird 2020 season. So I think a lot of people are going to be drafting guys that potentially aren't going to be even be playing baseball. Well, um, it depends. Or meaningful baseball. It depends when your drafts are and everything. If True. your drafts come closer to spring training, teams could, you know, let on or, you know, give some hints on where guys may end but up. But you know people but, draft names and, so, and prisoner of the moment. I could just see some guys getting drafted that have no business getting drafted. Unless it's a absolute phenom like you did a few years ago with uh, Acuna. Mm-hmm. I don't draft and hold a guy for the future like in a, in a redraft league yeah like if they're not going to be up you know for sure once uh manipulation time is done i'm not drafting them they're basically off my board because it's just it's just dead yeah, yeah it's hard it's, just it's hard dead to know. spot yep and who knows they could be it, they could say they're up in four weeks, but who knows? Maybe they say, well, they need more time. You need to work on your fielding. Who did we see that? I mean, even last year we saw that, that with Carl Bryant? and Carlson. Didn't we see that with Dylan Carlson last Something year? Something like that. He was, it, it took him a long time. He was one of the last guys up, and it was really a service time issue, I believe. Like, know? here's an example. I could see someone drafting Joe Adele, who has already – it's already been come out that he's he needs more minor league time, according yeah. to Joe Madden. I could see that someone drafting him, and to me, that's a waste. Yeah, I agree. I mean, unless Joe Madden's just saying, don't expect him on the opening day roster, we're going to manipulate his time, and then they're going to call him up. You know, it's yeah. hard to tell at this point. Well, and we could see that with a, a whole handful of, yeah. of pitchers. I like mean, there's saying, like Sixto. Oh, Kenzie, Sixto, uh, uh, Christian Javier, even. I mean, a lot of these guys that just kind of, guys that popped up we never even heard of. Right. And that dealt. We may not see them. Yeah, we we may not see them again. Not not well, in twenty twenty one. Yeah, or at least early. Correct. Speaking of prisoner of the moment, I just and I just we have to touch on 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 the world champs at least a little bit. And he's in that same general area, Julio Urias. Kind of a World Series hero, right? I mean, multiple yeah, innings. Lazardo pitch- at thirty two. Urias at 33. Very similar guys, too. I mean, I mean, I basically, if I'm looking to draft one of them in a particular spot, and one of them gets drafted in front of the other right before I pick, I'm going to be okay with the other. Yeah. I'm a fan of both. I think Lazardo has a higher ceiling in 21 because of the team. I mean, you get L.A. Dodgered when you're an L.A. Dodger. Ah, so not that's... because of the team being good, but because of the team. The way they operate. The way that they manage their pitchers. You know, it's not hard to say that nah, he's got a kind of a, his left shoulder's a little well, sore. And Urias, and you get him a 10-day IL spot and you, you know, you bring in Tony Gonzalez. We've seen it with Urias. Yeah, they just we've do seen it, it all the time. Yes. You bring in Dustin May. I mean, yes. it's an embarrassment of riches over there. It so is. So you can... Run a guy out for five, give a guy a day off, and then, oh, man, my shoulder feels better now. Still like the guy. Oh, love him. <laughs> Still like the guy. <laughs> I actually like both of them more in a roto format just because of the uncertainty sure. on if they're going to be starting or not. 
And their ratios are but both But they're going to be putting up ratios. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Still a fan of both if the price is right. Yeah, I like both guys. I'm a sucker. Give me, give me a southpaw that can that can that can just absolutely throw smoke and drop a hook on somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give me those guys. I like them. I like them a lot. <laughs> Who else you like? Well, you know, I think as we wind down here, um, we should probably go with one flyer guy, like just a guy throw a dart. You know, maybe it sticks, maybe it doesn't. 2021, who's your kind of seller dweller so what's, flyer? What's a dart? What range are we talking Undrafted. About? Undrafted? Talking about Oof. it. A guy pr- probably goes undrafted, deep round pick. Not going to be a guy inside the top 300. Who's who's Oof. your guy on the outside looking in? I, I got one that pops in and I, I have a... Uh, all right, yeah, let's hear it. So, I'll go John Gray. John Gray. I'm gonna go John Gray in Colorado. Is, is he still in Colorado? He is still in Colorado, I believe. Um, God, I ho- I hope he's still in Colorado. This would be embarrassing because we're gonna publish this. Um, but yeah, man, he's a guy that you watch him. You go, how the hell is this guy this bad? And a lot like Noah Syndergaard at times. Decent stuff. A lot of times you look, you watch Noah Syndergaard pitch. You go, this guy should not. He shouldn't. Nobody should ever be able to hit him. John Gray is not that dissimilar, um, but both guys have had their struggles. John Gray is a guy that um, who was terrible last year. He was Holy he was really smokes. really bad. Twelve point twenty twenty one K rate. What? Twenty twenty, that's like cut in half from his past four years. And he was fastball heavy, and that's that's where I I just think you got to throw twenty twenty out. Um, you know, guy's not old. You know what I mean? He's six four two twenty five. Um, you know, twenty nineteen, three point eight four, eleven and eight. You know, 150 innings pitched. I mean, guy pitched well. Strikeouts per inning, one per inning. And he had averaged above that for his entire career. And then 2020. Yeah, he was not good. (laughs) Crash. I mean, hopefully he does get out of Colorado, to be honest. I, I agree. But I just think that the talent is too good. I think that um, he's destined. He's destined to bounce back. I mean, age, he's definitely. I would definitely think he's going to bounce back. Um, age twenty eight season. Yeah. For the record. Mm, twenty nine. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. My bad. Um, I'm trying to see if he if he is one of those weird Coors guys or not. The reverse splits. Uh, I mean, no. Last year at home, eight three nine ERA at home, three seven seven, um, on the road. Let's see career though. I mean, career it's pretty even though. Yeah, four six six ERA at home, four five three on the road. So what? Point one. When That's he's nothing. When really. he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's bad. Yeah, he's very volatile. I mean, he could definitely. 
shoot up for sure. He could be a bargain. You know, I see him a lot like I see Chris Paddock, right? Chris Paddock's going to get drafted in the top probably 30 pitchers, I would imagine. And you can make the argument to me that, that, you know, these are very similar guys. I mean, they could have, I would say, you're drafting Paddock at 30 because the upside is there. And I would make the same argument with Gray. So, I'm not saying that you should draft John Gray instead of Chris Paddock, but... I mean, where would you take John Gray? I'd probably take him in the last few rounds... Okay, yeah. ...of a fantasy draft. Sure. Yeah, because you feel good about it, and I would not... I I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't feel good about drafting Chris Paddock. Uh, I was a Chris Chris Paddock owner last year, so... So you just have that... Yeah, I just needed to get him in here to mention and shit on him because he sucks so bad. Oh, well, I think he's going to bounce back, so it's okay. <laughs> I think he's um, internally going to be horrible. I mean... Kidding. I don't have a guy that far down that I like, but I have a couple that will address a previous topic. Um, like, I'm big fans of Lance McCullers and Kevin Gaussman going into this next season. Um... McCullers, he's a lot like uh, uh, Glass now, that in that if he can get on the field for, you know, a well, full season's load, you're more than likely gonna get those returns. And I got McCullers coming in at where do I got him? Twenty nine. So he's probably gonna be drafted in the first. 10 rounds, that's top 120, I see that for sure, I'd probably even say top 7 rounds, um, in our 12-teamer, um, but it's just, you know, if your league doesn't have IL slots, and you get a guy injured, you're kind of screwed, so these are all things to consider when drafting guys who, you know, tend to get hurt or tend to miss starts. McCullers freaks me out a little bit because and you're a McCullers guy. I am. At least you were. I am. I like the guy I, I, because again, I'm watching the games. You watch that man pitch. You go, man, it's his his stuff's nasty. I mean, he's got nasty stuff. That being said, he's had multiple arm injuries across his career, and he's the only major league pitcher in baseball that throws his curveball more than forty percent of the time. of the time, Lance McCullers throws his curveball. Nasty pitch. Absolutely filthy. But we all suspect, I'm not a freaking doctor, so don't quote me, but we all suspect that the spin pitches, curveball slider, lead to more arm strain, typically more arm injuries. And for a guy that's had multiple arm injuries across his career... I'm not super confident that he's not going to continue to have arm injuries. Right. I mean, not to like... And he's being... The only reason I I say this is because I am a McCullers guy. I I believe in him. When he's pitching, he's great. But I think where you're going to have to draft him... Right. And a lot of it is prisoner of the moment because people saw how good he was again in the postseason and late down the stretch for Houston. Um, I I think you have to pay too much given the inherent risk of just having him. With the right. injuries. Um, where was I going? <laughs> He's gone, folks. Um, 
I've destroyed his argument. He can't. No, he no, can't no. tabulate it. It's. It's. We've turned into Skip and Shannon over here to have a team not care about a guy's, you know, money maker. In this case, this guy's right arm. Right. But uh, this is the season. I mean, age twenty-seven. I believe this is the last year he's under control at an affordable price. So four million. Yeah. So he's gonna if they don't want to offer him a a better deal going into twenty-two, you ride him until his arm, you know, either gets through the season because if you don't plan on re-signing him. It's kind of a critical he, year for Houston, too. Right. He's he's pitching for his next contract, and you're not going to be the one to offer it to him, so we'll get out there for hopefully 200 innings, and you know you offer us up some quality pitching like you have. And yeah. If he does it over 200 innings, you're looking at a top 10 pitcher, hands down. And if he's not top 10, he's definitely on the fringe because he's striking out a guy in innings, so you're getting... 200 innings, you're getting 200 Ks. He's on Houston. You're probably getting 10-plus wins. I mean, the recipe is there for both sides of the argument. And it's I don't disagree. how high are you going to pay for it. It's a risk and reward yeah, game. Exactly. So we're about to wrap up, but we we would be foolhardy if we didn't mention our local team, Seattle Mariners. Okay, Been a big offseason as Mariners fans here. Um <laughs> So much going down. But in reality, we're pretty optimistic as Mariners fans, I think. So let's talk about some of the Mariners pitching, just really briefly. Any fantasy-relevant Mariners pitchers uh, besides Marco Gonzalez for 2020? Um, I actually you say Kikuchi could be decent. I also hope we trade him. Yeah? I just think... With what we've seen, we will not be picking up his option after the year. Um, I just think he's better suited on a team that feels that they, you know, can see what's wrong with him and fix him. Sure. But I think, you know, he has improved every single year since he's been in the league. Um, He limited some hard contact last year. I mean, his barrel rate... Was in the 86th percentile, hard hit, 55th, decent at striking people out, 54th percentile. Um, he's getting one an inning. I mean, if he could just lower that ERA. Right. On an improving team that should score runs, I mean, he definitely could improve. Like, if he could improve his ERA by a half a run. Puts him in the 4-5 range. I mean... I definitely think, besides Marco, that Kikuchi has the chance to be the the most fantasy relevant. But there's one other guy um, that I think, specifically, if he could just add one more pitch... Who is that? Could be really fantasy relevant. And that's Mr. Justice Sheffield. He, He pitched really good in 2020. The month of August, posted a 3.95 ERA, struck out 27 batters in 27 innings. Then, September and October, 2.16 ERA. That's pretty good. All in all, he finished up with 3.58, almost a, a 1 on the war spectrum. Most impressively, he decreased his base on balls from almost 11% 
to just a tick over eight. I'm pretty optimistic on Justice Sheffield, and this man's doing this with two pitches. Really, he's doing it with one pitch, and that's the slider. They're crushing his fastball still. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know they're crushing it. He's really doing it with the slider. If he could just add a changeup, sinker, and he's got the guys around him that know how to do this. He's got Marco, who I know um, they built a relationship. Kind of, I expect Justice Sheffield to take a step forward. Yeah, he may not be the uh, elite prospect that he was coined in right. New York. I feel like that's how it just goes in baseball. If you're a New York prospect or a LA prospect, you're automatically a top 100 guy. Correct. Um, but he's definitely going to be a number three, in my opinion. Um, he's in, he improved, you know, from 19 to 20. Um, his K rate was better in 19, which gives you hope that it's, it's there. Right. Um, it just seems like he kind of pitched a more contact last year, um, trying to get into further into games. Um, he pitched about five innings a game. Um, you definitely felt like when you were watching him early on in his run in Seattle, that he was pressing to try to just get through innings and live up to the hype and, and to try to strike every single guy out. You could just see it. He, he, he wasn't figuring out how to get outs any other way. Right. Um, which led to really short outings, a lot of base on balls. But he figured it out. He figured out how to pitch a little bit more to contact. And, and I really do give Marco Gonzalez a lot of credit. I think that he has stepped up as a as sort of a staff leader. And uh, it helps that you're you're both pitching from the same side of the mound. You're, you're both, you know, all three of the Mariners, really their best pitchers, are all southpaws that um, really kind of need to go about it the same way. So I think... Sheffield is uh, benefited by that, and I just think he's definitely going to get better in 2021. I, I, I'll i put it that way. I mean, I certainly hope so, because this is a... We are, hopefully, last year's Chicago White Sox, so That's we right. need to take that next step, and I think, I think he... He could definitely be a big piece in that. Now, we got more episodes. We got more stuff on the way for you guys. Um, We're probably going to be busting into some of our positional rankings coming forward in the subsequent days. Uh, Jason just mentioned a a very exciting team, the Chicago White Sox, that our hometown Mariners are trying to emulate. We want to definitely talk about that team a little bit more because there's a lot of exciting fantasy talent coming out of uh, Chicago this coming year. Um, but Jason, what, what else do you got for us today as we, as we wrap up here with our inaugural field of dreamers, fantasy baseball points podcast? I mean, I'm just looking forward to building on this episode and diving into, I think we're going to do outfield next. We might, sure. We might touch on some, a little bit more pitching if some stuff comes up, but yeah, I'm just looking to build on this and just talk shop with everybody. Yep. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, if you have uh, feedback for us, let us know. Uh, we plan on getting this shared out via uh, a litany of different social media channels. But um, yeah, if you're into points fantasy baseball, have questions about uh, points league fantasy baseball, uh, feel free to to shoot us a, a message. We'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, and until next time.
Uh, keep on dreaming.